put your volume on like five or a little bit below five. Okay, last week you told me to put it a little bit above five, so you're basically saying I'm still too loud. Yes, I am saying that, yes. Okay, it's at five now. Perfect, and you're at like a 20. I'm always at a 20. I can't help it. (laughs) That's my jeans. Listen. too loud. Do it again. That was way too high pitched. That was too much. That was too much. Do it right, again. Hey, Ellen Marsh. Hey, Patrick Hines. <laughs> keep it. Keep it. You guys, welcome to Obsessed with Disappeared. You guys, it's the podcast where Ellen Marsh and I tell the stories of people who are missing by recapping the episode that covered their case on the ID show Disappeared. Girl, where are <laughs> where? they? <laughs> They, I can't. I can't. I've, I, I'm already sweating. I'm already sweating. Oh, my God. This one's a doozy. But before we get to it, you guys, join the Facebook group. Girl, tell them what it's called because I can't remember the words. Oh, my gosh. You guys, it is the Obsessed with Disappear. What? What? That's You're already a- making fun of me. I haven't no. even talked about Daily Harvest once. Oh, no, my God. It was almost as though you forgot we had a Facebook group and you remembered and you were super excited about it. Because I love the Facebook group. Everyone is so fun and like super funny and we're all going to Six Flags and you're not invited. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the Facebook group is called Obsessed with Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. And then the other thing, you guys, join our Instagram, The Disappeared Pod, because every Friday night at 6 o'clock Eastern, we go live. And you basically get like this back and forth bickery band but you get to watch it. We go live, but you said like we go live like we invented something. Like everybody goes live. We go live. I'm still really excited about the technology. It is really fun. It is really fun. So 6 o'clock Eastern on our Instagram page. We go live. We talk about that week's episode. We catch up with each other. Patrick makes fun of me for my very scary roof. And that's it. That's all we do, basically. So come come or don't come. I don't care. I don't care. He's making fun of me either way. Girl, Disappeared, episode 10. It's called Rosemary's Secret. And before we get started or anything, I just got to say, Rosemary, girl, why you got to have a secret? Whenever you have a secret, you end up missing. That's just the way it goes. Oh, because the title is called Rosemary's Secret. I actually didn't get that title. I don't know what her... It's only two words, honey. It's not complicated. I know, but like, I don't know what her secret was. I mean, we'll figure it out. But I have so much to say. So grab a sandwich, grab a drink, hunker down. Let's go. Australian Rosemary Christensen is outgoing and friendly. She likes to socialize. With no phone calls, nobody answering the home phone, there was something very wrong. The thing that stands out was my pleading with her to please come stay with me, be safe. But when she goes missing, it is her husband who pleads for help. Please, if anybody's seen Rose, know where she's at, please. I didn't believe any of it for a minute. I knew he had done something to Rosemary and it wasn't going to be good. As nearly 10 years pass, the case goes cold until... I felt that someday my phone would ring and I thought at that point in time I would be able to come forward. This is the mystery of how Rosemary Christensen disappeared. Right off the bat, I got a problem. Right off the bat, I got a problem. (laughs) 
Okay, can I just say it? I feel like that's what you said when you were delivered from your mother's nether yeah. regions. The first thing you look right up at the doctor and said, right off the bat, I got a problem. Right off the bat, I got a problem. Can I Can I say my problem? Please, girl. Okay, this is my first problem. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a girl's girl, right? If your bra is showing, I'm telling you. If there's food in your teeth, I am telling you. I'm taking you to the side. I'm pointing it out. I have a lady's back Always, okay? Yeah, of course. The first thing we see is like, you know, her photos. They show photos of her. Yeah. And there is a photo with Rosemary blinking. You guys. And they show it 800 times. I have watched enough true crime documentaries to know, like, listen, I am saying this publicly. I am setting aside a folder in my phone of pictures I want to be used should I go missing. Like, you're not picking my pictures. I want my eyebrows threaded. I want my hair done. I want to look effortlessly flawless. That picture of her blinking, absolutely not. (laughs) Well, you know what my first note is? Hey, girl, guess where this one takes place? Oh, God. I know. (laughs) Say it. Say it. Just say it. Rip the band-aid. Florida. It's in Florida. Miami. Miami. You've got style. That's from the Golden Girls, you guys, in case you don't know. Okay. (laughs) 43-year-old Rosemary Christensen is a well-respected realtor near Clearwater, Florida. She was the friendliest, nicest, sweetest person ever. She cared a lot about people, and in turn, people cared a lot about her. Rosemary's Australian accent, cordiality, and worldliness help her connect with practically everyone she meets. Okay, nobody can say enough nice things about Rosemary, right? She's friendly. She's a lover of life. She loves to travel. She's a real estate agent. Um, (laughs) It's like the list of nice things about she's beautiful, kind, friendly, real estate agent. Uh, so let, we're, we're back in 1999, you guys. This is Thursday, August 26, 1999. We're in Bel Air Beach, Florida. It's 8.30 a.m. She's headed to work for what we learn is a pump-up rah-rah session at the real estate firm. I give you a pump-up rah-rah session pretty much every time we talk on the phone. I need it, girl. So <laughs> This is not what I expected to look like at 42, girl. I need all the rah-rah pump-up I can get. It's always the same. We do our pump-up rah-rah session and then uh, listen about new listings and just a normal day. So, like, the woman who tells us about this, like, pump-up rah-rah session is her friend Kathy McKinnon. Oh, I'm going to tell you throughout this episode why Kathy and I would be best friends. And Kathy's a hero, but I got to say, I don't usually point out, like, what women are wearing or whatever, but she's wearing this orange blouse with a matching orange lip, and I thought, she's making some strong fashion choices. It's called monochromatic. Right. (laughs) And I'm fine with it. I'm not wearing orange on TV. To quote my best friend Karen Walker, honey, that color doesn't even look good on a pumpkin. great and she's a hero i love kathy it's gonna come back to kathy a lot we find out that that morning like the morning of october 26th rosemary finds out that she sold a unit remember she's a real estate agent yeah. it's one of the things that makes her lovely okay um and we find out that she was overjoyed one of her properties has sold and she's elated she'd worked hard on this contract and it, it came through and you know once something like that happens she would just get overjoyed over it for some reason i really slowed down on the term overjoyed it, the word struck me when i heard it this time overjoyed it's too it's too much joy over there rosemary and actually that turns out to be true <laughs> and blame it on id just just whenever in doubt just blame it on id <laughs> was she joyed <laughs> 
no, just say overjoyed. Is sufficiently joyed a thing? <laughs> no, you have to say overjoyed. Okay, let me throw in a couple of other key bits of information about Rosemary. She was from Holland. She was the wife of a diplomat. She meets a man on the internet. So this is where I was like screeching on the brakes over and over and over again. We see that like she's got this fabulous life. She's traveling the world, meeting like world leaders, married to this diplomat in Holland. And like she seems like she was just unhappy in her marriage and just getting in the chat rooms while her husband was like out dining with the king of Sweden. Rosemary also hits it off with someone she meets on the internet. A 47-year-old man from Illinois named Robert G. Temple. We were just friends at first and it bobbed into phone calls. They really, really breezed over that part, which is fine because we have yeah. plenty to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> are you, you guys are still sitting down, right? But yeah, she, she meets this 47-year-old man called Robert Temple. And then we meet Robert, who's coming to us from jail, girl. Right, so really, spoiler right there. I hate this guy. He's talking to us from jail. We find out that, like, they're connecting over the internet, and she's telling him the truth about her life. I'm married to a diplomat. I go to fancy parties. Um, I also really like real estate, which makes me very nice. <laughs> Robert's like, oh yeah? Well, I was with the FBI. I have loads of homes. Why don't you come to the US? And then she gets there and he was like, oh wait, she wasn't lying about that stuff. I was. I was lying. Oh shit. Naturally, I didn't believe her when she had told me and all the people that she had met and presidents that she had been to dinners with. No, I I thought it was internet chat. So I think I might have been a secret agent or who knows, you know, how people exaggerate. I mean, you know how people exaggerate on the internet? No, girl. No. You catfished this woman who had a perfectly nice life married to a diplomat. She thinks she's like coming to the U.S. to hang out with a spy. (laughs) She gets there and it's you? Yeah. If I got off that plane and you were there to pick me up, are you kidding me? It's so true. Like, it was the biggest like, oh, shit. (laughs) So six months go and they get married. They move to Florida. I just think that this marriage moved really fast. Is it just me? I mean, I think that, like, you and Steve met on a Tuesday and were married the following Wednesday. I was raised by a pack of lesbians, though. I have an excuse, girl. Okay, so I want to refer to Kathy as B. Arthur because the (laughs) one-liners that come out of Kathy, like, Kathy has checked her eye, Cal. She is confirming that she unfortunately has no time for your shit. Like, she's like, I no, I don't. I don't. I'm so, look it. And she, like, shows you her eye, Cal. She's like, no time for your shit. Don't be telling me this kind of crap. Yeah, and so like they move to Florida and I have, they live in a condo that Rosemary pays for and I wrote, because of course, because men. And then like all of her friends are like, you guys, we really don't get it. She's amazing. And what is up with this loser? Rosemary's friends don't really understand the attraction. When I first met Robert Temple, I had no idea what Rosemary was doing with him. We're still trying to figure that one out. And like, honestly, you see pictures of this guy and that you know he's the guy that like when they would all go out for drinks, they'd be really excited until she got there and he was there. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, this night's going to suck. We've all had a great friend that dated that guy. He's that guy. Absolutely. So <laughs> I know you're going to have a lot to say about this. You guys, this is my favorite part of the entire documentary. So, so one day <laughs> she sells a property. We're back to August 20- 1999. It's one o'clock in the afternoon. Remember, earlier that morning, Rosemary sold a property. She was really excited about it. She was overjoyed. She She would just get overjoyed over it. You guys, it's later in the afternoon. She has been running around the building all day telling everybody how happy she is about selling this property. The announcer says to us, Back at work, Rosemary continues to celebrate the property she sold. 
While she runs through the office parking lot to tell co-workers the good news, she trips and falls onto her knee. You guys, it cuts to like a reenactment of this grown woman jumping up and down in a parking lot, waving frantically. <laughs> and then she trips and falls. Like that's the whole point of this moment. And we see this woman jump up and down and wave frantically and then run and then sort of like in slow motion, like this choreographed fall. <laughs> it is so onto- choreographed. <laughs> Wait, tell me if you think this is a fair analogy. Like the slow motionness of it was as if she was just like doing a quick run through of her blocking. She's like, then I'm going to fall like this. And the director was like, no, that's it. We only have time for one take. She's like, no, 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 no. That was my practice. It also looks like an infomercial where like, do you have a hard time jumping up and down in a parking lot? And it's like, you see it in black and white. And and then she like, she falls and rolls and it looks like a drag queen. She looked like the person that they got to do it in the reenactment, I feel like was a drag queen. It's so bad. We have to post this on Instagram because it's it my is, favorite thing. It is way, way too good. <laughs> it's Thursday, August 26th, 2 p.m. She is out showing properties to clients and she gets a call on her phone from Robert, her husband. I called and she said, I'm probably going to be late because I've got about 20 places I can show her if she wants to see them all. We'll just go with whatever she wants to do. But I'll call you before I come home. 20 properties in one day, girl? That's a lot of properties. I, I don't yeah. even, I don't get joy from real estate because I'm not a real estate agent like Rosemary, but that's a lot of properties. <laughs> and so he's calling and calling and finally she calls again and Kathy tells us like, look, she was really annoyed. There is nothing worse than when you're trying to show someone a house and you get interrupted, you lose your train of thought. Now, I don't mean to diminish anybody's job, but like, what's the train of thought we're talking about? She's like, if you go in here, these are Dutch doors. Oh no, they're not Dutch doors. What are those doors? Barn doors? Are they barn doors? Oh, I'm my train of thought. I don't know, but whatever. Oh uh, she's thrown off. Whatever. He's being annoying. I know. I'm at work. I'm like, the bottom line is I'm at work. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So we find out from Kathy B. Arthur, my best friend, right. <laughs> that the next day they're supposed to have a company beach party and Rosemary was supposed to be making potato salad. Which, at- look, you know she's making that good European mustardy potato salad. But I'm here for it. Anyway, she needed a bigger bowl. <laughs> I know, but I was like, if there's one thing about Rosemary, she makes enough for seconds. Like, I made that up. I hate myself. The point being, she had asked for this bowl. Yeah. A co-worker brought it, and the bowl was just sitting there, meaning she hadn't been to the office. Right. But co-worker Kathy assumes Rosemary's absence is likely connected to problems she's having with Robert. The first thing I did think was, okay, they had a falling out. And here she's not coming in. Listen, Kathy, who's a down bitch, was like, <laughs> I know what happened. I'll bet she got in an argument with her freaking psychopath husband. Yeah. And I'll bet she has a cut or a bruise and she doesn't want to come see us because I know that guy to be abusive, verbally abusive, physical abusive. So, like, again, Kathy is not falling for anyone's shit. So no one has seen her since Thursday, we should point out. When she left that real estate showing at 5 o'clock on Thursday, Thursday. That was the last time anybody saw her. So now it's Saturday and there was a work beach party that day, which was what she was making the potato salad for. And Rosemary didn't show for the beach party, which is weird. She loves the beach party. Loves the beach party. We know that she went the year before. Her and Robert, who's in jail now, went to the party the year before and we see pictures from it, girl. That's where we see the one where she was blinking. The tragic blinking picture. It's just rude, you guys. I'm not going to let that go. Did you see the gaze, though? There was gaze next to her. Yep. And he had 
had his shirt off, of course. <laughs> He's the only guy at this work function not wearing a shirt. The gay. <laughs> Leave it to the gays to inappropriately remove clothing. Guess what, girl? I'm keeping my shirt on at any and all beach parties. Oh, you're perfect. Shut up. <laughs> if I could go swimming at the beach in a muumu over a full piece, also in a full cardboard box that had been carrying a refrigerator, that's how I prefer to go swimming. Thank you. And you're welcome. <laughs> Where's Patrick? In the car. <laughs> Duckboard box that used to have a refrigerator in it floating in the ocean. All right, so Sunday, August 29th, after the beach party, B. Arthur, my down bitch, and a friend head over to her house. Yeah. She knows she's going to see Robert, and Kathy, true to form, dry as a cracker, says, yeah. you know, I know Robert never liked me. <laughs> Robert never really liked me. The gospel according to Kathy. She just looked, I know he didn't like me. I was like, because you're a down bitch, Kathy, totally. okay? <laughs> So they get there. It's Kathy and a coworker. I got to also say, the coworkers at this real estate office, if you guys live in Florida, find out where this real estate office is and if they're hiring, because they give a fuck about you. They really do. They're overjoyed about real estate. Leave them be. <laughs> Leave them be. <laughs> so they get to the parking lot at the condo, and they see Robert's motorcycle, which you know Rosemary paid for because men... And also they see Rosemary's car. So that's when Kathy, your down bitch, is like, well, this certainly isn't good. She was not overjoyed about this. And what does she do? She's like, weird car, weird motorcycle, weird shades drawn. I'm calling the cops. She's not messing around. And all the windows were closed. All the uh, drapes were pulled. It was just dark. I mean, there, there was nobody you couldn't see in. And that's when we call the Bel Air police. She is totally you in that moment, by the way. Absolutely. <laughs> you guys really do have a lot in common. <laughs> I'm telling you, Kathy and I would be best friends. It's true. So the cops arrive. Like, everyone's very worried. The cops arrive, and then they wait for a locksmith. This is the first time in any true crime documentary I've ever covered <laughs> that we're waiting on a locksmith, girl. That is such a good point. Like, what? Where's the battering ram? Get that door open. Get that door I didn't think about that. You're so right. You're so right. So they call the police. They also call other best friend Laurel. Remember best friend yes. Laurel? Yeah. And Laurel is like, you know what's also weird is that I know for a fact Rosemary just remodeled. Where's the carpet that was in this room? I got a phone call that they were at her condo. Then he proceeded to tell me that the carpet was missing. At that point, I started crying because I had been at her house just recently. The carpet was new. It was beautiful. The walls were freshly painted. So Kathy not only calls the police, she also calls Robert's family in Decatur, Illinois. And she says, hey, is Robert there? Yes. Is Rosemary there? No. She's like, oh, okay. Thanks for your honesty. We can't find Rosemary. And the freaking family member, cue Patrick scream. What does the family <laughs> member say? And she asked me if I had looked in the trunk of Rosemary's car. Have you looked in her trunk? And Kathy goes, why would you say that girl and they were like the family member the cousin or whatever says well you know they've been having problems okay okay right. okay <laughs> you know how many times you and i have had problems in our relationship i don't think anybody would be like has anybody looked at patrick's trunk for <laughs> <laughs> that is the craziest thing only in 
Florida. Kathy's like, huh. Like, I do that sometimes when I'm like, don't go crazy. Don't go crazy. Pretend like you're a normal human being. Huh. Okay, say more. I have to train myself to not act like a wildebeest every five seconds. You know what I mean? Don't you give the wildebeest a bad name. I've never seen a single one of them act crazy as you. Never once. So after we get the trunk recommendation, (laughs) (laughs) Robert calls Kathy back with some telenovela bullshit. Yeah. And he's like, did Kathy leave me? Like, tell me. And then cue Kathy B. Arthur. And she says with her dry delivery, I don't know, Robert, where is she? (laughs) I said, Robert, where's Rosemary? And then he started getting, getting all upset and said, did she leave me, Kathy? Did she leave me? I said, I don't know, Robert. All I want to know is where is she? Do you know where she is? And that's when he says that she went off with some people Thursday night. And then he's just saying that, like, all I know is that she went out with some people on Thursday night. That's the night I decided to leave town and drive to Illinois. And Kathy to the camera, and she's like, bitch, I know you're lying. I told him he was lying. I said, Robert, don't be telling me this kind of crap. Don't be telling me this kind of crap. Right. <laughs> But this is where we learn. Remember how Robert like took off to Illinois? Guys, he's not traveling by himself. He's taken this woman named Leslie Stewart. Girl, tell the people where Robert and Leslie met. Oh, this is fun. <laughs> Robert and Leslie both worked as customer service representatives for a phone sex and psychic hotline. Now listen, no shade. Everyone's got to have a job. Who knows what the job market is like in Florida? I just think it's an interesting combination. Thank you for calling. How may I help you? Let me tell you what Destiny didn't do. Destiny <laughs> failed to get me off. I'd like my money back, please. And also, <laughs> let it be said, plot twist, Leslie Stewart is the other woman and she is 22. <laughs> and he's like 47 or he's something. He's 184 and he's disgusting. <laughs> he looks like Gargamel. He does look like Gargamel. Oh my God, he does look like Gargamel. Back in Florida, detectives officially search the condo. They find a collection of used cleaning products and painting supplies. So the detectives go and they search the condo that Rosemary paid for, where her freeloading husband, Robert, who's coming to us from jail, they find an assortment of cleaning and painting supplies. Once again, I'm going to say, all of these idiot murderers are so fucking stupid. The whole time they were talking about this, I was like, Patrick is going to say what dumb murderers there because they find, with all of these things, they find the receipt from Walmart. When was it purchased? Okay, you guys, get ready. It was purchased the day after Rosemary vanished on her credit card, to which I wrote, of course, men. Men. He doesn't even have his own credit card. Yeah, you guys, listen to this. This laundry list of things that was purchased at Walmart sounds like a B-horror movie props list. It was Clorox, it was Febreze, and scrub brushes, a knife, duct tape, anything that could be used uh, to either clean evidence up or erase a crime scene. (laughs) There was duct tape, brushes, Clorox, Febreze. The other thing about it is Walmart. (laughs) Can you just, when somebody shows up at the cash register with this list of things, can you call the police? Because Walmart, you may as well have a murder aisle. If you're not going to ask a question when somebody has this list of stuff, the guy's like, did you find everything okay, sir? Well, I'm actually still looking for zip ties. Yeah. Do you have any, any zip ties anywhere? Also, chloroform. Where where can I get the chloroform? Oh, and the gar- I need garbage bags. Not, not the big garbage bags. like really big garbage bags. But there's one item listed on the receipt that leaves private investigator Dick Price perplexed. A tote with wheel. Price obtained one. 
to try to figure out why Temple would have purchased it. So we're with Dick the Private Dick in his office. He's very proud of his private detective work here, you guys, because he's the one who actually found the receipt. And the one item that they couldn't, the item is called Tote with Wheel. And it really threw Dick the Private Dick for a loop. He did not know what it was. So he went and bought one. Guys, guess what? He brought it with him to the interview. He picks it up and puts it on his desk and he looks at us and he's like, that's about the, the size of a thing you'd need to like dispose of a body though, right? Like that's about what you would need. My thoughts were that this is just a perfect uh, piece of equipment that could get rid of, number one, all of the carpet real easy, and also to, to be able to dispose of a body. So we learned that Robert has agreed to come back to Florida. And I was like, oh my God, thank you, Robert. What a mensch. Oh my God. He, oh, he's like, all right, I'll come back to Florida. Oh God. The other things we find, you guys. Um, but wait, can I just say one more thing? Of course. The reason he comes back. What if back I was like, like, no. What if I was like, no, we're moving on. We're moving on. <laughs> the cops are telling us like, look, this guy's cooperating. There really isn't any evidence that he's done anything wrong here. We're looking at him, but he's coming back and answering some questions and, and we'll take it from there and then so we find out some other things that are curious but again to your point not anything that would make him a murder suspect temple left messages for her on their home answering machine and he even left her a note this note is outrageous it is the most staged note in the history of murderer staged notes (laughs) (laughs) like if you line up all the murderers that have written horrible notes it's like one or two dear rose i was hoping to see you before i left but I decided to go ahead and go today instead of waiting until tomorrow. Tried phoning and beeping you, but guess you were out of range. Wish you could have gone with me, but maybe next time. Take care, and I'll be back on Tuesday. I love you, lady. Rob. Dear Rosemary, I definitely didn't kill you. How are you today? (laughs) And then it's like, I tried to reach you on the telephone, and I tried to reach you on your pager. You must have been out of range, sweetheart. And then he's throwing in all these little, like, non sequiturs. And then in the bottom of the note, he said, also, the tile guy said he could do it next week once we got all the painting done. Don't worry. I called the tile guy. He's coming. And then Laurel, the other down bitch, was like, bitch, she just redid her house. There's no tile right. guy coming. Because the point is, obviously, there was a murder scene that he cleaned up and he painted over. And he's like, and by the way, the tile guy is going to come on Monday as soon as the paint dries. Yeah. And the friends are reading the note and you can see them basically trying to contain their like rage and laughter. Oh, my God. And Kathy, the CEO of No Bullshit, goes. Right. <laughs> I didn't believe any of it for a minute. I knew he had, he had done something to Rosemary and it wasn't going to be good. I didn't believe it for a second. <laughs> like, she is just... So, uh, I fucking love Kathy. She just lays it out. Yeah, and like this is where Kathy is like, I just knew. I just knew that he had done something to her. And now we get this whole like backstory of the abuse that Rosemary had suffered. And, you know, Laurel is telling us that like it started out as verbal abuse and he would say things about her weight. But then Kathy tells us about like the really serious physical abuse. And so, you know, July 1997, he hit her and we see these images like this like black eye and this busted cheek and like blood dripping down her face. I don't know why ID is giving this guy a platform to talk about this, but of course, garbage Robert is like, no girl. Rose was up opening the door right as I tripped over a box and hit the door and knocked her back and and I'm still falling forward in the door. It cut her eye right here. 
splitter eye. I mean, it was bleeding like there's no tomorrow. The what happened was, the what happened, no, 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 let me tell you the story. Like, please. Robert, who do you think is believing this shit? You guys, the way this man explains himself and things that happen, I'm going to need Robert to kindly rotate 180 degrees, (laughs) survey the vast amount of off in which he can fuck. Oh, it's so vast. It's so (laughs) sociopathic the way he just tries to explain everything away. It's nauseating, you guys. But then we learned that, like, Robert's record of criminal offenses surface in the local media, and we find out some serious shit about this guy. In 1996, just over a year before marrying Rosemary, Temple pleaded guilty to domestic battery of his previous wife in Decatur, Illinois. He claims the incident was an unfortunate misunderstanding. That wasn't Temple's only brush with the law. He served about five years in prison back in 1975 for involuntary manslaughter in the violent death of a girlfriend's 18-month-old child. Temple says someone else killed the child, but he took the rap. And this motherfucker has the audacity of this bitch to tell us what actually happened was, you guys, somebody else actually killed the baby, and I took the fall for them. Yeah, I'm just a stand-up guy. I'm just a stand-up dude. All right, girl, are you ready to shine? Guess who's back, you guys? So we're back to a week after Rosemary went missing, and Robert returns to Florida for questioning. And the cops, like, sit him down and question him, and then they agree to bring him out for the press pool by the actual pool. This press conference, you guys... Picture it. Sicily. 1952. It's 1999. He is holding a goddamn picture of his beautiful, sweet, overjoyed wife, Rosemary. This melodramatic. It's unbelievable. Rose and I haven't been apart this long since we've been married. And I miss her so bad. I just want her back. Please, if anybody's seen Rose, know where she's at. Please, just tell her, just, just call, just please let us know. Just if, like, there's no tear. He's making the tear sound. He's making the crying sound. He's like, I just, if you could, if you could, you know who's not here for it? Who? Kathy and Laurel. His hands were trembling and he was crying, but there were no tears. I believe that would really happen. You guys, it's literally like he does this whole thing where he's like, we haven't been apart this long since we were married and I miss her so bad. And like, there's not a wet eye in the house, you guys. I don't think I've ever seen anyone try to work up a tear as hard as he did that day. And then somebody, one of the reporters says to him, like, girl, forgive the intrusion, but did the cops actually ask you if you murdered her? And he's like, I'd rather be dead than anything happen to her. Sir, pardon the directness of my question. But have detectives asked you whether you killed your wife? Yes. And what did you tell them? I told them no. I could never hurt Rose. I'd rather be dead than anything ever happened to her. And he's doing that thing where, like, I'm going to do it right now. He's like, I can't even do it. You can't it. even do it. But then we're 
we're back at the condo and the cops actually find blood in one of the carpet squares and Robert is like, oh yeah, girl, it's, that's totally going to be Rosemary's because remember that spill she took in the parking lot? You guys, yeah. we get to watch it again. They bring it back. We see this woman jumping up and down, frantically waving and she like walks ever so slowly through the parking lot and then like stumble falls onto the ground. It's my favorite shot. So that little scuffle, that little scrape yeah. is definitely going to make gush blood on the carpet. And her boss, Jeff, is like, girl, I bandaged her up. She was fine. I actually bandaged it up with a band-aid and it was a minor, minor, minor scrape, if anything. Kathy McKinnon remembers another detail from that day, which she subsequently tells police. After she had fallen and we had gotten everything fixed and stuff, she was outside smoking a cigarette and she came right up to me. She said, Kathy, do you think that Robert is plotting to kill me? Right after she gets bandaged up in the parking lot, she's outside smoking a cigarette and walks up to Kathy. And says, girl, do you think Robert is plotting to kill me? Here's my question, though. Like, is that like the kind of question you get all the time? Because it seems to me like that would be a red flag, Kathy. And look, it's nobody can save anybody from a relationship they don't want to get out of. I'm not putting anything on Kathy. If I came up to you and I was like, hey, girl, thanks for bandaging up my knee. I was so happy about that real estate sale. I was jumping up and down in the parking lot and then I tripped. Thanks for taking care of that girl. Appreciate it. Do you think that Steve is trying to kill me? Like, what would your reaction to that be? I mean, I, you know, that's such a good question. I would, I, I guess if someone had a history of abuse, because he did, he had a history of anger and abuse. Not Steve. Robert had the history of anger and right, abuse. Right, right. What did I say? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But my point is just like, this is like a pattern in Disappeared where insane things happen and we talk about them like they're normal. Right. Like, yes. you know what I mean? Like, we're talking, like, she asked Kathy if she thought that Robert was trying to kill her, and we deal with it as though, like, huh, interesting question, girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What about that potato salad? Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. We don't know. I mean, we don't know if they had further conversations. It's just sort of glossed over. But I guess the point being that, like, she was fearful. All right, so now we're back to like the days after she went missing and he's back in Florida and he's with his girlfriend, Leslie, and they're getting all of this press coverage. And at first they kind of like it, but then it gets to be too much. So they decide they're going to like retain counsel. I feel like somebody took one look at the two of them and was like, um, girl, it might be better if you got your own lawyer, girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He and Stewart meet with an attorney for help dealing with the press. But the lawyer advises the couple to retain separate counsel. You should get two different lawyers, too. <laughs> like there's someone just giving her signals. Don't take his lawyer. Don't do it, girl. Get your own lawyer. So this was one of my biggest issues with the episode because she gets a lawyer and they say his name 8,000 times. They call him Jay A. Bear. And Leslie is referred to defense attorney Jay A. Bear. Yeah. And then we see his lower third. You guys, it's just Hebert. It's Herbert. His name is Jay Hebert. Herbert. They call him A. Bear, James A. Bear. And, they say, and then you see it and it's like, no, that just says Hebert. No, when I wrote it out, I wrote up A. Bear. <laughs> like a bear. <laughs> I went to high school with a Dan Hebert, you guys. It's just Hebert. How do you write that phonetically? <laughs> Shut up. It's Hebert. I'm going to have a coffee and a croissant. <laughs> a what? A croissant. <laughs> Sir, did you want a croissant? Yes, I would like a croissant. What Hebert is about to learn might just be the big break investigators have been hoping for. But... He won't be able to reveal anything for nine long years. So Leslie and Hebert have a secret meeting and then like Hebert never hears from her again. And we, it keeps being teased to us that like she told him some groundbreaking shit, you guys, but then like just left. 
And put a pin in that, you guys. We're going to come back to that in a minute. So then it cuts to Dick, the private Dick, and he's saying, you know, I had Robert and Rosemary's condo under surveillance, and one day he just showed up with a moving truck. I sat and observed and saw Robert bringing out items and loading the van up. Temple leaves town with Leslie Stewart. They got away scot-free. And the friends are like, we know they did this, but they're just like getting away with it. Right, but there wasn't enough evidence to detain them. There just wasn't. The story dies down for a year, girl. Guess who comes out of the woodwork? A psychic. (laughs) On May 1st, 2001, a psychic calls and leads police to a local pond. Divers search the water but they come up empty. You guys, look, again, I'm going to say, I believe in the psychic stuff, but like, psychics, can you just like use your powers for the forces of good? Stop making people dredge lakes. Like, it takes one call from a psychic and there's a dive team of like nine people searching this lake and you see video of it. Everyone else go get a drink. Psychics, you stay. (laughs) I'm going to talk to you for a second. Girls and boys and men and those who have yet to make up their minds, psychics, do you know how much that costs? I know. You know how much that costs a town to send and like a dive team of say stop knock it off psychics i know i just wrote psychics why are you making me mad <laughs> no all right everyone come back i'm done yelling at the psychics come back <laughs> So we find out that Leslie and Robert moved to Redding, Northern California in 2005. They have a kid. Now, remember, you guys, she's only 22 years old. So, you know, she's a spring chicken. I'm telling you, though, like the thing about them having a kid really fucking scared me for that kid. Absolutely. Like this guy killed a kid. He killed an 18 month old and went to jail for it. So Laurel and Kathy are like, you know what? Let him move. Yeah. He's going to mess up. He's going to misstep. Something's going to go wrong. They're playing the long game. Laurel and Kathy are not worried. And they're not wrong either. Because August 25th, 2008, Robert threatens Leslie. He puts a knife to her throat and says he will kill her and her daughter. Leslie was preparing to go to this family reunion in Washington State. Before she left, Mr. Temple pulled this rather large knife and put it to her throat and said, if you say anything or if you talk about this, I'll kill you and I'll kill myself and I'll kill our daughter. Leslie is like leaving for the first time in a really long time. She's going to go to a family reunion and he is afraid that at this family reunion, she's going to spill the tea. My, my guess is that like things aren't going great in this marriage. You know what I mean? And like she's probably like had a Chardonnay or two and been like, bitch, I will turn you in for that woman you killed. <laughs> <laughs> you, what are you talking about? I, all I asked you to do was unload the dishwasher. You think I won't turn you in for that woman you killed? I would bring that up all the time. Same. same. Like I would have a code word for like woman you killed. I'd be like, remember the broccoli? Right. <laughs> While visiting her family 10 days later, Stewart allegedly tells them about her recent spat with Temple. She decides the only way to change her situation is to get police involved. Leslie has totally had enough, and she goes to the reunion, and she calls Hebert. Hey, bear! She calls Hebert. Bow, bow. And I love that Hebert to camera's like, yeah, I didn't really remember her. It'd been a long nine years for me, yeah. you know? <laughs> and Leslie said, hi, Jay, it's Leslie Stewart. Do you remember me? And uh, candidly, the name didn't just jump off the page at me. So the cops fly out to meet her at the family reunion to have a secret talk, and... Here we go. I know. But Leslie tells us the story of what happened the night that Rosemary was, as we were about to learn, was murdered. Leslie Stewart tells the detectives, on the night of Rosemary's disappearance, August 26th, 1999, that Robert Temple called her multiple times, insisting that she come to his condo as soon as possible. She arrives to allegedly find Temple drunk and making strange statements. And 
And so she comes over and she gets there. He's singing like a canary. He tells her that he's been involved in a child manslaughter out of state. And then, curiously, wants her to know straight up that, by the way, the witness protection program doesn't actually exist, girl. So don't get any ideas, girl. It's not a real real thing. As Stuart wonders what Temple is talking about, he leads her into the bedroom he shares with his wife, Rosemary. Stuart is stunned by what she sees. And so he takes her into the bedroom, and there's Rosemary, dead, in a pool of blood. He says that Rosemary came behind him, hit him on the head with the blunt side of the knife, like the bottom side of the knife. Yeah. They struggled, and he accidentally stabbed her. Sure, Jan. Okay. (laughs) Nobody believes a story like that. Like, what are you talking about? So he said, I need you to cover this up for me. So her lawyer, Hebert, says, so... this is when Leslie started making some bad decisions. It was at that point in time that Leslie compounded the situation by making some bad decisions. She helped with the cover-up. She helped dispose of the body. And she continued with the cover-up story that Robert Temple had come up with. I am going to take her defense, not because she did a bad thing and she helped do a bad thing, but I do believe that he probably was very emotionally, psychologically, and probably physically abusing her. And that power that he might have had over her brain and fear was probably real and eminent. You know, and I forget that. I have not experienced that. And so I forget that that's a real thing. I'm so glad that you reminded me of that because I'm like, she's just garbage. And then I'm like, like, oh, she did like some really shitty things, but like, you're right. I mean, like, if this man can manipulate a woman as badass as Rosemary, he can manipulate anybody. So you're probably right. She was probably afraid and brainwashed. And when you hear his lies, I mean, if you didn't know, I mean, he's just spouting them off like they're fact. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. He's reading a verse from the Bible. Yeah. His sociopathic tendencies are deep. That mental power is probably what led her to cover this up. That's all I'll say about that. Yeah, and like, I, but again, like, you know, people do need to be held accountable for their actions and basically she makes a deal where she gets immunity if she'll take them to the body and and testify against him and that's what happens like they arrest Robert and they fly with Leslie to Florida and she takes them to the body and you guys when they dig up the body the body is actually in that green thing that was on the receipt from Walmart that like Dick the private Dick didn't know what it was but he brought it with him to the interview to show us what it was like he actually killed her and put her in that and buried her in it. Temple has been extra back to Pinellas County, Florida to face murder charges. But he says they've got the wrong person. And then we, we cut back to prison. Look, for future interviewees of documentaries, if your interview is taking place in a jail cell, you automatically start at a place of less credibility. Absolutely. Robert is here to tell us, you guys, that's not what happened at all. Leslie's such a liar. What actually happened was she was waiting for me at the condo for super sexy time, and Rosemary got home before I did. She made up some dumb lie about being there to pick up some like disc because the 90s and Rosemary didn't believe her. They get into a fight and the way he described the fight of like these two women fighting over him and then rolling around on the bed like he actually almost kind of sexualizes the fight. Then they started struggling, pulling hair when she was wrestling around with Rose, Rose knocked her back on the bed. Rose was on top of her. And And also too many details, my dude. Right. Too many details. (laughs) 
absolutely not. And he says that like they roll off the bed and all of a sudden Rosemary's not moving and Leslie thinks that Rosemary has knocked herself out. But when Leslie stands up, she sees that Rosemary's actually stabbed herself and died instantly. That's also not how stabbing deaths work. Often not. So (laughs) at the end of the documentary, we learned that he's still awaiting trial. So can I tell you what I researched? Yes! I was so hoping you were going to have a Goog update. Okay, here we go, guys. Here's the update that the disappeared episode did not cover. In 2011, that is 12 years after Rosemary was killed. Couple things. Number one, he represented himself in court. Oh, I I want that footage. That footage is always the best. Right. So he represented himself in court. Also, what is the one thing you do not do when you're a guilty person? Oh, take the stand? He took the fucking stand. (laughs) How does that work, you might ask? Well, he just got to like talk for like an hour he just talked spoken word you guys it's all on youtube shut up yep you're gonna find some bad acting you're gonna find some forced crying it was a very high profile case in florida by the way very high profile there is tons of stuff about this on the internet but it only took six days now we need to clarify this he admits to disposing of the body oh but he still says that leslie did it he doesn't admit to the murder exactly now him representing himself was pissing everyone off, including the judge. Like, there is this footage of him going, can I have a mistrial? And the judge goes, sure, it's denied. Lunch break. It is so (laughs) funny. So I want to tell you guys that after six days in court, he was sentenced to life in prison without parole, and he died in jail. He's dead? He's dead. How did he die? They do not specify. And I looked through as many articles as I can find, and I honestly feel like they didn't want to give him any more attention oh my god yeah so he is no longer with us so I do also want to say this one thing I want to say that what happened with Robert like sort of a what we touched on before he was a sociopath he was an abusive man he fooled people he took advantage of people he scared them he clearly had no shortage of outlandish stories to tell But he still abused these women, including Leslie and including Rosemary. So I just wanted to add this little bit for anyone who might be experiencing mental or physical abuse. I do have a number just because like this kind of like brought up a lot of emotions. This guy is so crazy. Yeah. If you guys need anything, the National Abuse Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. That is a 24 hour, seven days a week. That is for victims and survivors. And if you are unable to speak for whatever reason, you can text love is one word l o v e i s to 1866 331 Nine four seven four, and you are not alone. You're amazing. Ugh, it oh. just, you know, you think about it. I mean, he was just to his dying day. Yeah, he was just a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, crazy, crazy episode 10. Oh, we did it though. Girl, I'm obsessed with you. Tell the people where they can join the Facebook group. What is it called? Okay, our Facebook group, you guys, because Patrick can't remember it. It's not that complicated, (laughs) you guys. It's obsessed with disappeared podcast discussion group. Come join us. Patrick and I are very active. We love hearing from you. We love seeing your pictures, your memes. Everyone is super supportive, hilarious, and funny. You can also follow us on The Disappeared Pod on Instagram and on Twitter. Yeah. On, and also Friday Night Live, you guys, every Friday, 6 p.m. 
p.m., Ellen and I go live on the Instagram page to like hang out, get drunk, and make fun of each other. So join us on the Instagram if you're not there already. I want to tell you guys that all of the episodes of Disappeared are available on IDGo. The first season is streaming for completely for free, so you can watch all of these episodes and follow us on Instagram. You guys, we are so close to getting Ellen the swipe up on Instagram. You guys, it's at Ellen Marsh on Instagram. I am not your charity case. I am not your charity case. Don't follow me on Instagram if you don't want to. Don't make him bully you into following me on Instagram. I am at Patrick Hines underscore on Instagram, and I would appreciate it if you actually would follow me. I would really like that. And at Patrick Hines on Twitter. Um, you guys were edited by Henry Lavoie. Good luck with this one, kid. <laughs> Who is amazing. I love Henry so much, and his episodes are so great. I love you, girl. I love you. All right, bye. Because I have a list of your problems. Should I get my list, or? I mean, yes. Do it. What? (laughs) (laughs) Number one. Like, I I don't even know what you're going to say. Boobs too big, hanging out of your shirt at all times. Like, it could be anything at this point. It could be anything. Which did you prefer, Holland or Portland, Maine? Don't make me choose between my children. Don't. Don't do that. Um, So, not only are they crazy in Florida, they're polite. Um, So, Robert was like, you know what? I'm going to do this interview, but be sure and keep the part where I can have sex every day. Okay? Keep that part or I'm not doing this interview. You don't edit that out. Yeah, you guys. He Oh, he is fully in a, what do you call it? A high. Oh, he is fully in like a maximum security prison. <laughs> oh, he's in a high. What is it? He's in a high prison. No, it's not high. What is it? I make a podcast for a living. I don't know if you know that. Do you know what I do for a living? What, girl? Literally nothing. Broadway is dead. Continue. <laughs> You know what Quentin Tarantino casts himself in his own movies because no one else will cast him in a movie because he's such a horrible actor? Yeah, I think it's actually Quentin. What'd I say? Quentin. Okay. <laughs> not the... Patrick, you win all the points for not the, not the point. You win all the points for not the point. <laughs> <laughs>